Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden. We are once again going to be talking about Falcons training camp. Joining me to do that today is going to be Aaron Freeman, the host of Locked on Falcons. You can find him on Twitter at FalcFans. I mean, a lot of you probably know Aaron. Uh, He is very popular on Twitter, very candid on Twitter, Uh, definitely not afraid to uh, share his feelings. We had a great conversation, honestly. It was one of the best ones that I've had about training camp because Aaron knows what he's talking about. He stands by his points. He has really well thought out arguments. So I'm really excited for you all to hear that today. Don't really have much um, in terms of an open for you guys. A little bit of news um, coming out of training camp on Wednesday, the seventh day before an off day on Thursday. I will be back up in Flowery Branch on Friday to check it all out. Uh, Wanted to be up on Saturday, friend's wedding uh, on Saturday. So I would much rather be at my friend's wedding than training camp. Going to miss that. Um, We'll be back the next Saturday. So I'm going up Friday instead. Um, And then I hope to break it all down with Ovi um, and have that up for you guys on Monday. uh, So be on the lookout for that. But some news coming out uh, Wednesday, a couple of injuries, which you never, ever want um, already a couple seemingly starting to mount up. You've got Matt Hennessy, who's missed um, some time here. Your Cordero Patterson has not been at practice a couple of days. Team kind of being mum about that. Uh, Johnu Smith also banged up. But defensive lineman Akena and Achukwu um, and offensive lineman Ethan Greenidge uh, were both hurt, according to Mike Rothstein, on the final plays of practice and both had to be carted off of the field. So no updates um, after practice on either player, which is totally understandable given uh, how late in practice those injuries seem to occur. Uh, obviously, neither are you know really marquee names, but you never want anybody to get hurt. Certainly not in training camp. It hurts your depth. It hurts some of the chemistry that players were building that really allows them to show the best of themselves. So never want to see an injury just because it kind of sets everything back. But there have been a lot of positive developments so far in training camp. I think Bijan Robinson, chief among them, but some other really great notes that uh, Aaron and I are going to touch on. So I don't want to step too much on on that conversation. So I'm going to stop talking. All I will say is please follow uh, our channel on YouTube if you are not already and go check out this video. Please spread the word, subscribe where you can. Um, And that is all I will say. Except for Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games, which are available to play right from your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, let's get into my conversation with Aaron Freeman. 
I'm joined now by Aaron Freeman at Falcfans on Twitter, host of Locked on Falcons. Aaron, how you doing, man? Thank you so much for uh, taking the time. Always a pleasure talking with you, Will. So obviously training camp is going on. Uh, you know, it's all anybody can talk about right now. We're finally getting some action out there on the field. I just want to know uh, from you before we kind of dig into all of the news surrounding the Atlanta Falcons. Generally, what makes a good training camp or preseason in your mind? When you start seeing the news trickle out of Flowery Branch, what do you latch on to? What do you kind of discard? And what are some signs of, all right, maybe this is a training camp where things will blend into the season and it's going to be a good year? Yeah, for me, you know, the main thing with training camp is, I, you know, avoid injuries. That's, that's kind of the, the main that's, thing. That's like the, the free space on a bingo card. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess I probably tend to pay a little bit more attention to the preseason, but even then, like, I don't want to overrate the sort of like correlation between a good or bad preseason to a good or bad uh, yeah. regular season. Cause like the immediate example that comes to mind was Jamar chase, who was like terrible, his preseason, like dropping mm-hmm. every pass. And then the first game has like a hundred yards. And then basically is the, the catalyst to the Bengals going to the super bowl. I feel uh, like that- I, I learned that specific lesson way back in 2004 when the Falcons played, I think the Colts in Japan, was it that, that game, or maybe that was the year before, but they essentially went like, Oh, and four and the Colts famously always went Oh, and four. And so like at a very young age, I was just kind of like, Oh, the preseason actually doesn't matter in terms of, of win loss. So sorry to interrupt you there, but yeah, it's, it's a very, very good lesson. Yeah. It's, it definitely does not matter for win loss. And I think we probably tend to overrate, its importance for the units of a team, like, oh, if the, the offense looks good, the defense looks good, that means they're ready to go and they're going to hit hard in, in the regular season. I think it's, it's a little bit more meaningful for like individual players, especially young players where you're like, you don't really know if this rookie is good or if this second year player is going to make a leap. Mm-hmm. But like once you've sort of established yourself in the league and proven that you can play, at a reasonably high level in the preseason or in the regular season, like it doesn't really matter at that point. But like I, a good example of a player that was ready to make a leap that did make a leap in the preseason a couple of years ago in Atlanta was DeMonte Casey. Like he had a really outstanding preseason in 2018. And I made the mistake because I think he picked off Patrick Mahomes in in one of those chiefs preseason games. And I was like, Oh, this Mahomes guys, he's not going to be, he's not going to be, he doesn't have it. Was that the same game where he, just bombed like a 67 yard touchdown to, I think it was Tariq Hill. Is that the I same, think. same one? I remember I was there in the, in Mercedes Benz stadium for that preseason game and seeing that pass in person, it may have been the prettiest pass I've ever seen. I think that was Patrick Mahomes like first starting year. Yeah. And it was just like, Oh my God, it covered the entire field in the air. It was so sick. Yeah. Well, I, I, I my takeaway from that game was like, that bad interception he threw to DeMonte Casey was more <laughs> indicative of what he was going to be that season. And yeah. I, that was a terrible, terrible uh, mistake that I made. So like, that's one of the things where it's, it's always tricky. Like I pay a little bit more attention to preseason, but I can't put too many, uh, you know, eggs in that basket, so to speak with it being sort of predictive for what's going to happen in a regular season. Yeah. I, I think that's totally fair. If you are looking at just the raw stats or the win loss record, like you, you can get fooled there. I, that's where I do think you've got to kind of follow the ins and the outs. And, and that's where I think like if you hear good things about the depth pieces, you know, if you're hearing, you know, in one on one battles like offense and defensive line, the two, three deep are putting up some really good things like that's probably a good sign. 
I don't, I'm curious, I wanted your thoughts on, on this one specifically as I was thinking about it. Do you think it's better to have a, a decisive end to a training camp competition like week two? And, and this is hypothetical because Matt Hennessy is obviously hurt right now and banged up. And so the competition for all intents and purposes has maybe been put on hold. But let's say they were both out there going into week two or going into joint practices with Miami. It was like Matt Hennessy has clearly won this job and, and we've got it and he's the one. Or do you prefer to see a training camp battle kind of go all the way through the preseason right up until the last little bit? And then it's like a coaching staff decision in week one. Which which do you think is a like a better or a better omen for the uh, the season? I don't know if I have a strong opinion on whether or not one is more advantageous for the team during the season than the other. You know, I think part of that is owed to you know, last year with Drew Dahlman and Matt Hennessy going back and forth mm-hmm. pretty much all the way to week one. And, you know, I'm sure we can say maybe that didn't lead to Matt, Drew Dahlman having the best season that he could have had uh, that I year. Think but he'll I think benefit so much this year from last year. Yeah. So, like, you know, I don't know if Drew Dahlman underperformed what I thought he would be last year. So I don't know if it really negatively affected him, at least based off my expectations. But I could understand why someone else would would make the counter argument. So, you know, I think my preference is to have that sort of finality just because, you know, like you, I, I like to talk a lot about the Falcons. And so I like to mm-hmm. be able to say definitive takes about this guy has <laughs> single-handedly won the job and we know that he's going to do this because he did this in the second preseason game. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I, I don't know if it really all, all matters that much. If If we still have that lingering question coming out of the third preseason game, does it really matter? Probably not. But, you know, you, you like to have, you know, you, you like to have that finality, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, that, that's a good point. It's probably very specific to the individual battle at hand, right? If somebody does run away with it, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're great. It could mean that the other person is, is not. Ex- so once again, I ask a question with like, 15 different outcomes, uh, which is what I always do. So let's move on to the the first kind of topic that I want to talk about um, here at training camp, and that is Desmond Ritter, right? Desmond Ritter has probably the number one like target on him in terms of just expectations. Like he really feels like the, the X factor for where the team can go this season. So what have you made of seemingly the inconsistent start that he he's made? I saw him for two days, very inconsistent in my opinion. You know, some some really good throws, puts it on a rope right where it needs to be, right on time, and then somewhere he's dirting the ball on kind of like a simple slant rant and slant route, not really giving his receiver much of a chance. Did you expect this, or is this a little bit troublesome for you? I, I expected it. I mean, I, I don't think we've learned anything new about Desmond Ritter that we didn't know six months ago. And I don't think we were going to learn anything new that we didn't already know six months ago. Like, I, I think when when the quote unquote real bullets start flying in September is when we'll learn new information about Desmond Ritter. But in terms of him being spotty with his accuracy, that's been a knock on him since he was at Cincinnati. Um, that was a knock on him during the four games that he started last year. Right, that was a knock on him last summer in, in in training camp, and to me, I never went into this thing with expectations that that problem was just going to simply go away mm-hmm. just because the Falcons anointed him the starter. You know, <laughs> right. like you don't—it's it's not magic or anything like that. Like you, 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 you 
put a player on a, a different level of depth chart and suddenly he acquires a brand new skill set. Like you had to work <laughs> on it. Yeah. Right. And so I think some of those ups and downs you expect he's a young quarterback. He's going to be making his fifth NFL start come week one, um, presumably. And there's going to be ups and downs with that. And the hope is that as he gets more reps, more experience, it's more comfortable in the offense, gets more comfortable with the players. You know, again, he's surrounded by a whole bunch of new players. We saw this with a veteran Matt Ryan, when you would introduce new weapons to him, it would take some time for him to adjust. And especially for someone who doesn't have, you know, 150 some odd starts that Matt Ryan had at, yeah. at various points in his or, career. Or even a guy that, because that was the thing that Matt always really did kind of have outside of maybe, well, no, Roddy White was there. So, I mean, he literally always had that kind of number one defined go-to receiver, whether it was Roddy or at points, Tony Gonzalez and then Julio and then Galvin. I mean, like there was always that at least surefire proven guy. And yeah, Desmond Ritter has Drake London. But to your point, I think there's a big difference in the situation that he's in kind of going into this as into his kind of fifth start and first full year as a starter than even Matt Ryan in 2008 as a rookie. Yeah. And and you you, you nailed it. I, I think Drake London is, is going to be expected to kind of be that sort of security blanket for Desmond Ritter moving forward as he kind of figures it out with the rest of the guys. We saw that connection that they had in the final four games last year that was very good. That makes you feel good about that one thing, but the rest of it still has to be figured out. And so I, I, I don't, you know, I expect Desmond Ritter to have his ups and downs. I expect him to grow and develop and hopefully get better over time. But it's, it's, it's less about where you're starting. It's more about where you finish, I think, is at this point in time. And so his ups and downs and his struggles, I'm not going to say are meaningless, but like it's hard for me to put too much stock in it because it's kind of, you know, we were talking off air, like it's all about confirming your priors and my priors were he's probably <laughs> going to be a young, inconsistent quarterback like most young quarterbacks are. And so that's what you're seeing. Yeah, I mean, I think that's totally fair. And then that's kind of the reasonable take on it. I My concern is that you let this kind of linger and maybe he doesn't make these strides or apparent strides um, as camp rolls along in the preseason goes along real quick. Aaron, how much do you want to see him play in the preseason? Do you like, do you want to see him 75% of the snaps out there? Are you cool? If it's kind of your traditional starters allotment, what, what do you want to see? I mean, I can, I can live with the the first game, maybe beginning a, a series, right? Um, that's what the, I think the Falcons did last year against Detroit with Marcus Mariota and then gave way to Desmond Ritter, uh, you know, after that point. And, and part of that is due to having the joint practices. It feels like you get a little bit more work against the Dolphins than you necessarily have to see in the game, mm-hmm. but probably a second preseason game against Cincinnati, which I, I think now with three preseason games kind of stands in as the dress rehearsal game at yep. this point in time, I do want to kind of give him at least a whole half, if yeah. not more. And depending on how that goes, then I'll play it by ear on what I need to see in the third. If that goes really well, then I'll be less inclined to see a lot of him in that third preseason game, if, if at all. If it doesn't go well, then, you know, uh, you know, that's when we'll 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 cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point about the uh, joint practices in a lot of ways. I do think coaches nowadays, a that's away from the the cameras. You know, you're not on national television. So if you do have a look that you want to give a guy against live competition, 
that's where you do it is in those joint practices where you're away from the the eyes of everybody, you know, right? You still got the media there, but what have you. And so I do think that's kind of smart where they're going to maybe lean more on the joint practices as that dress rehearsal than maybe that first preseason game. Um, but then, yeah, that, that second one, I would want to see him in there. Um, my point that I was making, though, was I just worry that if, if this does kind of continue and linger, the Falcons so far have done a very good job, I think, of spinning this in a positive direction for Ritter. And Arthur Smith is saying, no, we want him to keep pushing it. We want him to get this stuff kind of out of his system now to work through it, to, to get a rhythm. But the mentality is what we want to instill in him, is to continue moving the ball down the field. But at what point does it start impacting his confidence? And that is where I, I do wonder if we get into the regular season, the worst case scenario does involve a crumbling of confidence, maybe on the part of, of Desmond Ritter, where going into the season, everybody's kind of building him up, saying this is our QB1, he's our starter, we got it, every expectation is that he can do it. What happens when, when that starts to then get questioned? Yeah, I mean, I, I get why that's a concern. I guess my attitude is like, we'll cross that bridge if we get to it, right? Totally like if, fair, yeah. I, I, I think at this point in time, my only concern with Desmond Ritter is, you know, turnovers, right? Mm-hmm. Where he, he goes out there and he's forcing it or trying to, to make these tight window throws and due to the spotty accuracy or mistiming or poor decision-making, it winds up, you know, leading to a bunch of turnovers and, and costing the Atlanta Falcons. However, I kind of know if if that does happen, you know what Arthur Smith is going to. We're just going to run the football, right? And and that last year was very successful. I think I'm thinking that's going to be very successful for them this year. So it's probably not something I'm going to be super super worried about uh, at this point in time. Like because I just kind of feel like, as I said, like it's not where you start; it's where you finish, and, and you're you're going to kind of have to go through some growing pains with a young quarterback and Desmond Ritter, like. The pro, you know, it's part of the process. You're trying to develop this guy, and there are going to be ups and downs, and some of the downs may be very down at that point in time. And you know, I just think you have to leave room for that sort of development, and you know, you make those adjustments. I think that's the beauty of football, where you can kind of make in-season adjustments. Probably, I would argue, maybe better than other sports. You can where you can just kind of like, well, we can't throw the football. I guess we're just going <laughs> to lean on Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier for the yeah. rest of the year and see how how far this gets us. And hopefully, you know, by week 13 or whatever, when we need to start winning, you know, these divisional games or whatever it is, you know, hopefully you, you've worked out all the kinks of your passing game by, by that point. Well, we've learned it can at least probably get you to seven and ten. Uh, <laughs> but I, I wasn't expecting rational Aaron on on today's uh, podcast. This is great. I, I love because usually I feel like I have to try to be the the voice of of reason. And in preseason and training camp, that often ends up being kind of like no fun because you're like, guys, it's it's a little early. We don't need to panic yet. Like none of this matters. This is the time to get it all out of your sit. Like that's what you're you're trying to do. You're not going to the driving range and then laying up. Right. Like that's just not what you're there for. You're here to really try to figure out all the clubs that you have in your bag and how to use them. Um, so some of the clubs that look like they're going to definitely be in use often this season are, are the first year clubs that Atlanta has and the rookies. And they have kind of, in my opinion, and, and seemingly just objectively been kind of the main highlight, I think, of Falcons training camp so far. I mean, Bijan Robinson. Outside of yesterday, uh, it seems like by reports has been flawless. Uh, really, you know, seeing him in person is truly 
something special. I think that is part of the reason you had such a huge crowd up there on Saturday is people just wanted to see this dude in real life, in person, up close. But even outside of Bijan, Matthew Bergeron now is getting an extended work with the, the ones because of Matt Hennessy's injury. Zach Harrison, really the last couple of days this week, has been getting some high praise from Arthur Smith. And then Clark Phillips uh, has been, I know uh, Kevin Knight and Adnan have been really, really hyping up uh, Clark Phillips and they've been impressed. But what have you seen or heard from the rookies and, and what, who has got you really excited? Yeah, it goes back to a point we made earlier, which is like training camp is kind of the time to kind of learn about the, the new guys and mm-hmm. the young guys and, you know, first and second year players that you just really haven't seen establish themselves in the league. Um, and it's it's very promising to hear the rookies getting, you know, these accolades. And, you know, I know for Zach Harrison specifically, like one of the frustrating things I had watching him at Ohio State was like, given how big and powerful he is. Like, why are you using all these like swipe moves and what? Like, I, I get why you do it, but <laughs> yeah. it's like you're you're a bully. Just go and bully right. guys. And so to hear that he's, you know, one of the things I was hoping to hear in in training camp was like Ryan Nielsen was going to get in his ear and be like, be a bully. And and that's yeah. been sort of the story out of training camp. So that that feels good. You know, Matthew Bergeron. The thing about him was like, you know, he's a really solid left tackle. You know, it may take a little bit to transition to left guard, but he has all the tools, the skill set to make that successful transition and make it, you know, relatively quickly. And so that you won't necessarily have to go through the growing pains that we had to go through a couple of years ago with a less experience and less, uh, you know, pro ready left guard, rookie left guard. And so that's a promising thing. Again, confirming your priors. Like you're like, Hey, I think Matthew Bergeron is going to be a pretty good player in this league. And so hearing that he's not, you know, have having his head spinning uh, in the first week of training camp is, is very promising. Checking boxes. You're like, cool. Good to know. Yeah. And and Clark Phillips, like, you know, I wasn't as high on Clark Phillips as I think other people were, right? Um, but like it's nice to hear, like, hey, other people were right. Aaron, you might have been wrong on, on Clark Phillips. Like, that's a good thing. Like, you know, yeah. I get this reputation for being negative on players, which is well deserved. But like when a player impresses and exceeds my expectations, like I usually become a very big fan of that player. So yeah, you don't it's nice. just to hate. You're not yeah. like, I'm going to go down with my take if, if I'm wrong and he's good. Ultimately that's good for the Falcons and I like the Falcons. And so I'll be happy. Yes, absolutely. And then of course, B. John Robinson is like, okay, yeah, we, we knew okay. B. John was good. Like it's, <laughs> it's nice to see this freak of a, of a human being that everybody in the, on the planet has recognized. B. John, it, like he, he's something else. I can't, I you can't even really describe it. I, I think Mike Rothstein said the same thing in, in his notes from a uh, practice today on uh, on Wednesday as we record this. But it it's really hard to describe just the way that he seems to be going down his contact balance, the way he moves. It's, it's like he just feels the ground differently, that he just has kind of a different control of of his body of different muscles that I'm not even aware of exist in my body. Like. It's it's so cool to watch him run. And that is where I think he draws the comparisons to like a Ladanian Tomlinson, somebody who and I asked Michael Turner about that uh, when I was up there at camp on, on Saturday. And he was like, yeah, you kind of see it. And as I was asking him and, and talking to him about that, BJ Robinson or uh, Bijan Robinson had maybe his best run that I've seen so far in which he set up an outside zone to the right. And the um, it was either the tackle or a tight end 
basically was blocking his man kind of out wide. And Bijan just set up the linebacker thinking he was going to try to get the edge. And he almost did a dead leg with his inside leg as he went to cut and then got extra extension on the outside leg to make an even tighter. It was like one of the coolest things to see. So I can't wait for everybody to get a glimpse of him in the preseason because nobody's going to be questioning that number eight pick. And also he's getting so much work at wide receiver. So Bijan rant over. Um, I did, or I guess a good rant. Can rants, rants can be good, right? Rants are, can be are a neutral term, right, Aaron? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I go on rants all the time. So they're, they're very neutral to me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, it's a positive monologue. Um, no, the, there was one quote from Arthur Smith about Zach Harrison that I thought was really interesting. And he said, uh, basically, certainly he's not 25 years old and did a COVID red shirt and another red shirt and is like a seventh year guy. Who do you think that's a shot at? You, you think that's a shot at like all of us for being like Tyree Wilson or all these like fifth years. I feel like the quarterbacks are often fifth and sixth year guys, but like there were definitely some older edge. Is that a shot at, at us for, for saying we're going to take the 21 year old who we can grow and groom for a little while while he's still young? Yeah, I didn't think of it that but, you know, as a Keon White truther, I guess, uh, you know, that feels like a shot there you go. at us. But uh, you know, one point I'll add to your Bijan rant is jokingly all offseason in the lead up to the draft when I was talking about the Falcons potentially taking him, I would jokingly say there are two types of people on the planet. There are Bijan fans and, and those people that haven't watched him yet. And I think you eloquently broke down why that is. Yeah, he is. He's going to be great. He's going to be used in a lot of really fun ways. I think people are going to have an even higher impression of him. You know, if everything goes kind of, I think, according to plan, we're going to come out of his rookie year thinking of him even greater as a, as a player than we were coming out of college when he was considered, you know, one of the best prospects coming out. Um, third topic, we've got two left for you here, Aaron. Um, the defensive line. I, I think that this has been almost as good a start as you could have wanted from this unit, given how much scrutiny it's going to be under, uh, you know, given the amount of resources invested in it this off season, but depth has been a real, uh, positive been on display. You're getting good constant pressure. I think you're, you're seeing some would be sacks if they were extending these plays a little bit longer, how, how needed was this as in terms of like position groups, that are really popping so far in camp. Yeah, I think it's certainly necessary. We, we've been Falcon fans complaining about the Falcons defensive line and their pass rush for decades. It seems mm-hmm. like, you know, it just feels like a constant at Northside uh, hospital. I think the, the little onesies that they give out now are, are just like fix the Falcons defense. I think that's just what they say on them. Um, I think that's been that way for, for at least the last decade. I don't know. I myself first kid, So my first experience with it, but anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's you know, we knew Grady Jarrett's good. We know David Onyemata's good. We we know Calais Campbell's good, right? We, we kind of know what Lorenzo Carter and Bud Debris, again, going back to our earlier point where mm-hmm. it's like certain veterans, you, you know what they are, right? And it's nice to see more of those known commodities. Exactly, more of them. The Falcons have tried to do that with like one guy, bringing yeah. a Dante Fowler, a Lorenzo Carter, like a, a Leonard Floyd or like whoever. And yeah, you just get like four of them. And then you'll be better off. <laughs> yeah. And then with the younger guys, the Zach Harrisons, the Arnold Epichettis, the D'Angelo Malones, it's like, you, you think you know what you have, but you, you, you need to see it. And so it's nice to hear those guys, the Timmy Horns, et cetera, 
that are, you know, having good camps and and showcasing their ability on day to day that makes you feel better about that depth that if and when those guys are put in a position where they need to go out there and make plays and get pressure on the quarterback, you feel a lot better about their ability to be able to step up so that you're not relying so much on those known commodities. And especially with given that a lot of those guys are maybe older aging players. And one of the goals of this Falcons defense, and we know with Ryan Nielsen, what he did in new Orleans, the Falcons new defensive coordinator, when he was the D line coaches, he wants to rotate guys in and out all Mm -hmm. constantly to keep them fresh. And so you need those young guys behind the veterans like Grady Jarrett to kind of be able to contribute for, you know, the 25 to 40% of the snaps that they're going to get so that Grady Jarrett and company and Calais Campbell and company can go out there and do what they need to do on those third and nines and third and sevens and whatnot when you need your, you know, your best guys out there to make plays on the quarterback. So it's all very promising, I think, with the Falcons defensive line. They're they're checking all the boxes that you want to get checked. And it would be very nice to to see and here next week against Miami, against a pretty questionable Dolphins offensive line that's kind of been their big issue. If, if they can kind of keep that momentum and headlines going with, you know, maybe they're kicking the Dolphins' butts a, a little bit in, in, in the practice as well in the upcoming preseason game. So that's something to look forward to as well. Really well said. I, I mean, I think that you've made the point, or at least you've made me think about, it could have been the that the Falcons had a dream opportunity to go out and build exactly the defensive line that they wanted this offseason, right? You know, I, I myself have sat here and said, well, you know, I think they're still missing a 1A pass rusher. And I, I think that's objectively true. But what if they just don't believe that they need one or that you necessarily need one? And you look at a, a group like the Eagles, who, yes, have very high-end defensive linemen um, in that, you know, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, um, just different, different guys throughout the years. And obviously now Hassan Reddick, like just dudes, but Derek Barnett, just keep naming Eagles players. Aaron. Like, <laughs> you're, you're, let's just keep, keep going. Yeah. Um, but they also created just waves, right? You could bring guys in. And I think the, uh, Washington, whatever we're going to call them, they also kind of have a similar uh, type of the Panthers, really. Also, Matt Ioannidis, like guys like that, you could just throw in there and, and bring in. So what if the Falcons just looked at this and said, instead of taking a lot of these resources and going after and getting one guy and thinking just a, a TJ Watt would come in here and just fix everything. No, what we want is the ability to have eight guys, all of equal caliber. But we're expecting and we're counting on that freshness that we can give them throughout the game is actually going to be more beneficial late in the third, fourth quarter when it really starts to matter because they've been getting, you know, half the reps of some of these other defensive linemen for other teams who are more maybe we have our starting four. Do you think like that could have definitely been the the logic here, given what we know about Ryan Nielsen and the timing of when he came and the financial situation and then ultimately what they did? Yeah, I think so. I think so. You know, you talk about when Nielsen, the six years he was in New Orleans, they were behind the Steelers in sacks those years. And obviously Cameron Jordan was the signature guy, that alpha, mm-hmm. that 1A pass rusher that you're talking about during that period of time. David Onyemata was kind of his running mate, but people need to remember that Trey Hendrickson, before he was with the Cincinnati Bengals, yep. was a very valuable piece in that rotation, even if he wasn't necessarily racking up the sack totals then that he is now Great in call. Cincinnati. 
players like Carl Granderson, Tyler Davison, the former Falcon, was mm-hmm. a key part. There was a reason why the Falcons went out and signed Tyler Davison and wound up giving him a, a second contract in large part due to how well he played as part of that rotation in New Orleans. Yeah, so more as a do- run defender, I feel like, but you need that in part of your rotation, yes. right? Like you need guys who are just run. Def- and that's maybe where like Justin Ellis kind of comes in now. You see a signing like that. So sorry to cut you off again there, but, but continue. Yeah, 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 definitely. You know, and if you don't want to waste David on Yamada on, on, on first and 10, if you don't right. have to, you want him to be as fresh as possible on, on third and seven. Right. And so you need to Tyler Davidson, you need a Taquan Graham, you need, mm-hmm. you know, a, a Justin Ellis, formerly Eddie Goldman. Unfortunately, that yeah. didn't necessarily work out uh, in the Falcons, but that's where a, a Timmy Horn can sort of come into play and, and be a contributor. So or on the it's, edge, it's like an Ade Ogundeji, like that, yeah. that's where his value would probably be is those early downs. So you keep, uh, Dupree, Lorenzo Carter, those types of guys, if Calais Campbell, of course, like fresh. Yeah. So I, I think it's all part of the, the Falcons process. I, again, I don't, I, th- I do think we'll be having a conversation probably by the end of the season about, okay, let's go out and get that one a sort of pass rusher now. Cause now we've caught, sort of established the floor of like, we know we have a competent line, but we just kind of need that final piece. If we want to get into the upper echelons of the NFL, like, mm-hmm. We're just shooting for mediocrity here in Atlanta because a league average pass rush would be such a revelation compared to what we've had the last couple of years. So if we can just get a floor of just being mediocre, just 35, 40 sacks, right? League average, 19th best pass rush in the NFL. I'll, I'll thumbs up to that one. And then we get that 1A pass rusher. And that's going to be the difference between going from middle of the pack to potentially in the top 10. So that will probably be a conversation down the road. But I think for the time being, just being a, a, a competent unit that can get reliable pressure and not feel like every time we get into a third down situation, the opposing team is going to be able to move the chains because whoever that quarterback is, is going to have all day to throw. Yeah. I mean, we've got reports that uh, players can hear Ryan Nielsen throwing chairs in the uh, defensive line room. So hopefully it's a combination of improved talent, improved depth, better coaching, uh, a coaching, you know, that is, really from the top down on the defense geared towards that defensive line. Um, I I think it's very telling that you brought in Jerry Gray to really handle that back end. You're freeing up Ryan Nielsen to really, really focus on that front. Your linebackers are even a little bit more geared to helping that pass rush, I think, than they are your your coverage. So he's going to, for all intents and purposes, like have seven guys at his disposal on any play to execute the pressure that he needs to on a quarterback or defending the run. Um, so that that's going to be exciting to see what Ryan Nielsen can really do, given his track record. Final question for you here, Aaron, before I let you go, what are you looking for uh, during joint practices in Miami? What, where is your attention going to be? What position battles are you really going to keep an eye on? Well, I would like to hear AJ Terrell and Jeff Okuda locking down Jalen Waddle and, and Tyreek Hill. That's what that would I would like nice. to That would be the thing I'm, I'm hoping for the most. Oh, AJ Terrell's completely shut down Tyreek Hill. I don't know if I should expect that given how those guys, how good those receivers are. So that's probably priority number one. As I said, second, I, I do want to see, hear and see the Falcons take advantage of maybe some of the weaknesses of the Dolphins. Obviously, you're not going to be able to hit the quarterback in those joint practices, but like you want to hear you know, the simulated sacks that go on in practice mm-hmm. are, are something that's common 
with the Falcons. Uh, it goes back to, I think, that joint practice two years ago uh, where someone who works for the Dolphins who was covering the Dolphins texted me in that first joint practice with the Falcons and was like, this is our worst practice. We're getting our butts kicked. That's kind of what I'm hoping to get a, a rehash of that uh, this year. I know last year when we played the Jets in their joint practices, it was kind of the opposite. The Jets were like, oh, the Falcons are terrible. This is like the best practice of, of Jets. Again, going back to the original point, that didn't really play out over the course of the season uh, in terms of what you thought the Jets would be and what the Falcons would be. But it is nice to hear those things at the very least or see those things at the very least. So that's probably the main thing I'm I'm looking for is just like those, those premier skill position matchups with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. How does our secondary hold up against those guys? Uh, and then, you know, the battle in the trenches always is, is going to be fascinating to, to, to keep an eye on. I think you definitely pinpointed um, maybe the top two, right? Certainly did the defensive line against their offensive line. That was um, the biggest weak spot for Miami on the offense last year, which is probably, you know, why the offense was part of the way it was, which is let's hit that back foot to uh, or whomever and get that ball out quickly and let them run. But yeah, kind of continue that positive momentum that we were just talking about by going down there and against another team show out and, and beat them in these one-on-one drills, get to the quarterback, tap his helmet. Obviously, you know, don't want anybody to go down this time of year. So play it clean. And then of course the secondary, I think the secondary has, we didn't talk about them much today, but like they have looked good. Uh, Clark Phillips, we mentioned has looked good. Uh, I think D Alford has made some plays. Jeff Okuda looks pretty consistent, which is exactly what I had hoped to see from him is, the biggest thing that you can see with rookies and young players is inconsistency. You can see where they're really good, but it just doesn't happen very often or the next play they're they're equally as bad. But with a, a fourth year player now in Jeff Okuda, you want to see that consistency, at least it, where his ceiling is remains to be seen, but at least don't have these big valleys in your play. And he hasn't. So that's awesome. And then the safety play, nothing to complain about. Jalen Hawkins is going to be a great sixth man off the bench. For them. Um, so I do think that you're right to, to pinpoint the receivers. I kind of want to see our receivers against their secondary. I think that was a weak spot um, for Miami defensively last year, partially just because the nature of their games and their offense dictated a lot of shootouts. So the secondary is going to get picked on a little bit more. So that's going to skew the numbers a little bit. But the Falcons wide receivers and Arthur Smith hates even using these positions. Like I, we need to just stop saying wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs, apparently, and just call them, I don't, we can make up a, a word or something, but they're just like going to be dudes out there. So I want to see how does Atlanta's weapons, I guess, fare against somebody else? Is, is Atlanta's secondary legitimately that good? Or worst case scenario, Atlanta goes out there, kind of gets lit up by Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, the pass catchers, like, all the really good weapons that Miami has. And then the Falcons wide receivers go out there and kind of get shut down. Like that would be bad. I'm hoping that it's going to be the opposite, but part of that involves wide receivers and how does Drake London fare? You know, how does Matt Collins fare out there? Scotty Miller, is he going to see some time? Kaderil Hodge, I think they're going to use a little bit more. So yeah, that side of the ball as well is, is kind of what I'm looking for. Yeah, I think so. We've seen Kyle Pitts cook this Miami Dolphins secondary once in our lives. And Javon Holland, man, that that'll be a and hopefully Johnu Smith. They say he'll at least be back out there by uh, 
by these joint practices, but that tight end safety matchup between these two teams could be really good. Yeah. You know, we're not going to get Jalen Ramsey out there, unfortunately, mm-hmm. due to his injury. But Cam Smith is is one of those players who the Dolphins drafted in round two. You know, I talked about him as the sort of fallback option. If you didn't get Devin Witherspoon in round one, you mm-hmm. get Cam Smith. If you're looking for that ultra competitive sort of type of corner. So it will be nice to sort of see our competitive receivers going up against that competitive group of corners as well. So I think that's a great point. Still think we were right about Devin Witherspoon, man. I, th- I think we were right. I think the Falcons, I think they would have pulled the trigger if he was, uh, if he was there, but they have Dijon Robinson and I have no complaints about that, nor do I have any complaints about asking you to join me for today's episode, Aaron. So I thank you so much. The floor is yours. Please tell everybody what, uh, what you got going on. Yeah. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can, you know, I'm still snarky out there at Falc fans. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be using Twitter as much because I'm afraid of the dumpster fire that it's going to be every single week talking about Desmond Ritter. And I just don't want to deal with that this year. But um, unfortunately, you got to at this point or I'm sorry, X. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, so, I, I've, I've gotten off of social media. Now I just I get all of my news. I go and find a, a regal theater and I go and, and Maria Menounos just tells me all of my news. It's great. I go for like 30 minutes before showing a Barbie, plop down, get some popcorn. It's amazing. Social media, get off of it. Just go to Regal Theaters. Hey, look, a tub of butter <laughs> popcorn is way better oh, of, a, of an outcome than any time I spent on Twitter. So I, I will actually probably wind up doing that for real. Uh, but yeah, you can check out me on whatever social media platform, whatever it's called nowadays at Falk fans. If you want to get my more rational takes, you can check me out on Locked on Falcons, free and available on YouTube or wherever you get the podcast. Awesome. Aaron, this was great. Thank you so much, bud. Appreciate it. That will do it for today's show, which as always was presented by Bet Online. Thanks again to Aaron Freeman for joining me for that great conversation. I encourage you guys to Go check out Locked on Falcons when you can. It's a really, really great show uh, as well. A lot of great knowledge. And then please go follow Aaron if you're not already, although I assume that a lot of you are because, as I said, he is great over there. Um, That will do it for today's episode. Be on the lookout for the next one, which will drop Monday. We're going to just, what else? Keep talking training camp. I hope to have Ovi on for that one to get his thoughts and really dive into the various aspects of training camp from a player's perspective. That's pretty much how I will try to use Ovi um, in these episodes is really pick his brain about, you know, what training camp is like for a player when you're going to joint practices, when you get to the dog days of August and it is hot and it's been long and everything is going on. Like I want to figure all that stuff out. That is so interesting to me. I assume a lot of it is very interesting to y'all as well which is probably why you listen to this awesome podcast. So he will be back very soon, I promise. That's it for me today. Until next time, everybody, take care. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. 
Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.